Welcome to the Daily Tour podcast for the 2009 Amgen Tour of California. Hey everyone, this is David Bernstein from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast, and I'm your host. The Daily Tour podcast brings you daily coverage of the 2009 Amgen Tour of California as we ride through California from Sacramento to San Diego over the span of nine days. The Daily Tour is brought to you by the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com and powered by the resources of Bicycle.net. For your weekly audio dose of cycling news, culture, interviews, product reviews, and more, listen to the Fredcast. And for more cycling news, product reviews, original bicycling essays, and more, bookmark Bicycle.net or subscribe to the RSS feeds. In addition to our daily tour podcast, we'll also be bringing you several video clips each day, compliments of our friends at CycleFilm.com. You can find those clips on our website at www.thefredcast.com. And now, here's today's episode of the Daily Tour Podcast. Welcome back to the Daily Tour Podcast. Today is Monday, February the 16th, and it's time for Stage 2 of the 2009 Amgen Tour of California. Now, as you'll recall from yesterday, going into today's stage, wearing the yellow leader's jersey of the Amgen Tour of California, it's Rock Racing's Francisco Manchebo. Manchebo currently at 4 hours, 15 minutes, and 46 seconds. Sitting 1 minute and 2 seconds behind him from the United States and Team Astana, it's Levi Leipheimer. And in 3rd place, Dave Zabriskie from Garmin Slipstream, 1 minute, 3 seconds back. In 4th place, also 1 minute, 3 seconds back, it's Michael Rogers from Australia and Team Columbia High Road. And in 5th, the man everybody seems to have come to the race to see this year. One minute, five seconds back. The winner of seven Tours de France from Team Astana in the United States of America, it's Lance Armstrong. Now today's stage two takes the riders from Sausalito, California to Santa Cruz, California over a total distance of 115.9 miles or 186.6 kilometers. Along the way, while well, starting the day, first of all, an historic ride across the Golden Gate Bridge. You see, here in the United States, today is President's Day holiday. A lot of offices, banks, federal and state offices are closed today, and as a result, the traffic on the Golden Gate Bridge was, well, much less than normal. They closed a couple of lanes, they covered over some grates in the road, and they allowed the Peloton to ride across this icon, not only of California and San Francisco, but indeed of the United States. And it was quite a sight, despite the wet weather and the fog, to watch the riders going across the Golden Gate Bridge today. Well, after the ride across the Golden Gate Bridge, they also had to deal with a couple of fairly decent climbs, First, a Category 2, and then just before descending into Santa Cruz today, Category 3, Bonnie Dune Road. Now, as always, before we get to the recap of today's stage, I do have an interview for you with Tom Schuler from Team Type 1. He's the general manager of Team Type 1. We've been talking to a couple of people from the team over the week, and we've gotten some emails from you asking, well, that's great. You're talking to Team Type 1, and it sounds like they have something to do with diabetes, but can you give me a little bit more information? You ask, and we oblige. Here's our interview with Tom. Team Type 1 was started four years ago by two college uh, cycling competitors, Phil Sutherland and Joe, Joe Eldridge. And uh, one was at Georgia, one was at Auburn, and they were competing on the college circuit, and they 
they noticed uh, uh, Phil noticed Joe checking his blood sugar or vice versa, and they went over and they hooked up and they said, let's start a team to raise some money for the JDRF, and they put a team together of type 1 diabetic cyclists that rode cross-country at the RAM uh, the next year. And they raised a bunch of money. They got a bunch of awareness. All of a sudden, they they were on to something. They said, let's try to get some sponsorship for the next year, which they did. And they won the RAM the following year. So a team of eight cyclists with type 1 diabetes beat all comers in the RAM, which is that cross-country uh, event that, that uh, you know, you race nonstop from California to the East Coast. Anyway, the next year, they um, Phil Sutherland uh, got a hold of me, and I'm, my business is cycling team management and we sought out more sponsorship and last year we put together um, uh, Abbott Diabetes Care, Santa Fe Aventus, Omnipod, a bunch of companies from within the uh, the diabetes care industry to be able to launch a professional men's team last year. This year we have a professional men's team who obviously is here at the Tour of California. We have a professional women's team, a triathlon team, an elite team that will do RAM and team type 2 that will also do RAM comprises 56 athletes and the mission is much bigger than bike racing we're using the bicycle to promote health uh, getting control of your diabetes getting control of your health and using exercise is a very important component of that that's the whole message and no one can tell that message better than than a type 1 diabetic a type 2 diabetic because they've lived it their whole lives where without exercise their health is at risk every day so in other words for us we get our athletes uh, t- together with other people that need to be inspired, need to be encouraged, need to get a hold, do a better job of getting a hold of their physical uh, well-being, and, and that's what we hope to do. And we do that over the course of uh, the year through a number of appearances and uh, ADA, American Diabetes Association, Tour to Cure events that we go out to, some 60 of those. So we really send our athletes out into the field to hopefully inspire people, just tell their story. And, and these people, our athletes have been successful at, at taking control of diabetes and making it work in their favor, not the other way around. Now, as we talked to Phil Sutherland yesterday, unlike most teams, most athletes, and in this case, most general managers of teams, team type one staff and athletes are dealing with an extra factor that the other teams aren't dealing with. And that is the fact that their athletes have diabetes. And we asked Phil about this yesterday, but we wanted to get a little bit more from the management perspective. How is it that they're managing their athletes on the road considering their diabetes? Absolutely. I mean, remember, when they are exercising, they need less insulin because the body compensates, and that's the beauty of exercise. It's a, it's a, a, a benefit, an accidental benefit. It works. So, again, while they're racing, they need less than they, insulin than they would otherwise. But it's a continual challenge to put fuel in the body and then have the insulin uh, break that fuel down and release those sugars. So they continually have to, um, you know, they continually have to work and pay attention to their, their fuel intake and also their insulin intake. And they have all the right tools, the uh, Abbott Navigator, continuous glucose monitor, the Omnipod pump that pumps the insulin, and, of course, uh, Epidra and Lantus uh, insulins to work. One is uh, long, long-lasting, one is uh, rapid-acting. So, in other words, they have the, all the best tools. And on a day like yesterday where it was cold and rainy, now you have 
you know, you have gloves on, you have fumble fingers, you're trying to, you know, read your monitor, you're trying to activate your pump, you're trying to eat food. So, you know, the complications go up exponentially. But what I will say is one thing these guys have really impressed me with is they've been doing this their whole lives. Remember, Phil was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 5 months. And since he, he the only thing he knows is that he has, he has to blood check his blood sugars continually he has to continually monitor his health or he's going to be in trouble so these these guys are really organized i've really been impressed by their attention to detail in their organization because they've they've had to live with this their whole lives now the staff of bicycle.net had the opportunity to visit the team type one training camp a few weeks ago and one of the things that they noticed was that while there are athletes on the team who do not have diabetes even those athletes blood sugar is being monitored we were curious about that, so we asked, what's up with the blood monitoring of people who don't have diabetes? Yeah, I mean, we, we did do a study at our training camp down in Solving with some uh, non-diabetic athletes and blood sugars, and we were, we, were, uh, ta- we were trying to monitor what happens when they intake more sugars, what happens when they do this under heavy pressure of exercise, sort of to get some baselines for our non-diabetic athletes, too. That was done by the Sanson Institute in Santa Barbara, one of the leading research institutes on diabetes. And so we were fortunate to be able to look at, look at that. I haven't seen the data. We haven't looked at the data, but, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're looking at. And it's this team, Team Type 1, is pushing the envelope of what happens to an athlete's body under stress. And finally... Beyond stage wins and race wins, which of course every bicycle racing team is looking for, because Team Type 1 has a mission, we were wondering, what would Team Type 1 consider a successful season in 2009? For Team Type 1, I would consider a successful season one that we represent uh, ourselves, our athletes, and all the the, uh, people we inspire out there well. And and by doing that, we're going to have to win bike races. You know, that's, that, there's a lot of inspiration in bike races because if Phil Sutherland wins a bike race, if Fabio Calabria wins a bike race, or if any of our athletes win a bike race, it inspires thousands and millions to say, hey, if these guys can do that, I can do, I can do a fun ride. I can do a century ride. I can get out there on my bike. I can maybe take control of my diabetes in a better way. So, yeah, that's our mission, and uh, we're going to do it in 2009. Now, yesterday you'll recall that I relayed my story about riding in the Mavic 1 car, the neutral technical support car yesterday, and gave you a little bit of perspective of what it's like to be riding along in the dance, as I call it, of the race caravan. Well, today we had the opportunity to ride in the Media 1 car in the caravan, and we had the opportunity to interview Tom Livingston, who was our driver, and this is what he had to say about what it's like to be driving the media car in the race caravan every day. Uh, this gets you right in the race. Uh, in this situation right here, we're right at the breakaway. We can, we've can we been right on their tail for probably 30 or 40 miles now. And uh, when you're in with all these vehicles, it's a lot like being on the bicycle, being in the Peloton. you got to get really used to riding bumper to bumper and knowing that everybody around you knows exactly what they're doing in there mode of transport. Now, in the media car, it's pretty clear why everybody's there. They're part of the media, and they're riding along and want to get their perspective, direct perspective on the race. But it's always interesting to me to find out a little bit about the drivers. Why are they there? How did they get the opportunity to drive one of these cars in the Peloton? A few years ago, I had the opportunity to ride along with Derek McQuaid. Um, 
His brother's a, a guy that you may have heard of, um, Pat McQuaid from the UCI. Derek himself was also a bike racer, uh, as were many people in the McQuaid family. We wanted to know from our driver, John Livingston, today, how is it that he got this great job in the 2009 Amgen Tour of California? I got lucky, super lucky. Um, my brother, Kevin Livingston, is retired, but he's the director of competition for Medalist Sports, which... Uh, runs the Tour of California, and uh, they got a hold of me in 2007 to do the Tour of Georgia, and I went back, did it in 2008 also, which is another event that they run, and uh, this year I got the call from the president asking me to drive the media car for Tour of California, and I accepted immediately. I think it was clear yesterday from my monologue about riding in the race caravan that I get jazzed by doing that. I've done it a couple of times. I've been blessed to have had that opportunity. But a guy like John, well, he's done it so many times, you wonder whether or not he gets jaded or if he gets as much of an adrenaline rush riding in the race caravan as those of us who don't get to do it quite as often. Definitely. You really get the adrenaline going. Uh, Most of our adrenaline comes uh, as we come off of the descents because uh, we have a lot of cars to press forward on the course And in order to do that, we need to move very quickly uh, down a descent. Today's case, uh, there's a breakaway, and uh, we were behind the break, so we were really strung out. We really had to move quickly down the descent because we knew the peloton uh, was somewhere behind us, and you cannot have two groups bridged together. Now, in the media car today, because of the unusual circumstance of going over the Golden Gate Bridge, there was a little bit of confusion bringing the Peloton quite close to the media car. Here's how John saw it from his perspective. Yeah, so we had a big opportunity today. We crossed the Golden Gate Bridge um, with closures and everything. It looked like it was a little difficult for course control so that we got funneled into a small area where we were trying to get all the vehicles through in a single file. And I think we just kind of got caught up a little bit in there. And uh, the riders, even though they weren't quite racing yet, they had just come out of their neutral uh, ended up um, at the tail end of, the, of, of us coming through that narrow point. So my people in the media car today got to really see a lot of the riders. Considering the fact that that was a little bit at least scary from the driver's perspective, uh, knowing that normally you're not supposed to be that close to the peloton, we wanted to know from John, what's the scariest thing that you've seen while driving in the race caravan at one of these events? I don't, you, I don't know. It's hard to say. We see so much. We see so much. You know, we do the best we can to just try to play it safe. Uh, uh, luckily, I can say that I haven't seen anything that's too scary that sticks out in my mind. But uh, there's a lot of tapping on the brakes. Uh, there's a lot of bumper to bumper and, and trying to stay sharp and stay focused because uh, uh, no one wants to make a mistake in here and, and, um, and also be involved with anything with the riders. John talked a little bit earlier about his brother, Kevin, and the fact that he was into professional bike racing. And I think that he was just a little bit modest, so we had to pressure him a little bit more to give us more about his family history and his connection to professional cycling. Uh, me and my, my brother, Kevin, got interested in bike racing by watching Greg LeMond win the tour uh, back in the 80s. And we immediately started uh, trying to race locally and everything. And uh, we did that for probably two summers. And I went off to college. I'm three years older than Kevin. Uh, I raced one year at University of Colorado Boulder. And during that time, Kevin, since I left, needed uh, people to ride with. He joined a junior team called the Spirits of St. Louis in Missouri. 
and uh, hopefully, if you know his name, the rest is history. Uh, from there, he was able to uh, um, uh, win the Junior Worlds Trials, and uh, that kind of launched him off into his career, uh, where he later joined Saturn as a amateur rider, and then soon, by 95, he's on Motorola, and after two years of Motorola, Kofi Dees, and then after that, of course, was the U.S. Postal Service, where he helped Lance come back from cancer, and they won the 99 and 2000 tours, and then he was on to Telecom, which team he actually uh, retired with in 2002 at the San Francisco Grand Prix. Yesterday, I mentioned that to get the full perspective of a bicycle race, one really has to find their way into the race caravan. John, however, thinks that you really need to find yourself in the media car, and here's why. This is this is the pole position right here. Um, really, the only cars that can move around like this in a bike race would be the lead motorcycles, um, the team cars, and then our cars, which are the VIP and the media cars. So this is this is the best seat in the house for any VIPs or media that are out on the road. It doesn't get any better than this. Now, of course, perhaps John's a little bit biased since he's driving that media car, but it was great to have the opportunity to speak with him about that and great for us to be able to ride along with him today during the stage. Well, speaking of the stage, it's time to recap what happened out on the roads of California today. Today's stage started in Sausalito, California, across the bay from San Francisco in order to get to Santa Cruz, you've got to cross the Golden Gate Bridge and then through San Francisco to get down to Santa Cruz, California. Along the way, they got to cross the Golden Gate Bridge. It was a first for the tour of California, and it was quite the sight indeed, as I mentioned. Once they were across the Golden Gate Bridge, the neutral portion of the race ended and the race was on. Very quickly, a 10-man break formed, including a number of of very famous names, including Stephen Coza, Tom Peterson, Jason McCartney, Carlos Barreto, Steph Clement, and others. And they were off and running. And they stayed away from the peloton until just before the second KOM of the day on Bonnie Dune Road. At that point, they got reeled in. And then Carlos Barreto went out ahead trying to attack the peloton and stay away perhaps for KOM points, perhaps for the stage victory, but it wasn't to be because Astana's Levi Leipheimer hit the hammer and made his way quickly and easily up that hill, leaving everyone behind with the exception of one Tom Peterson from Garmin Slipstream who bridged the gap along with Jason McCartney from Team Saxo Bank. But pretty soon, it was just Leipheimer and Peterson on their way into Santa Cruz. And while I think Levi would have enjoyed winning the stage yesterday in his hometown of Santa Rosa, today he was looking for gathering enough time plus the time bonuses available at the finish line in order to put on once again the yellow leader's jersey of the Amgen Tour of California. So at the line, he easily allowed his riding partner for the latter part of the afternoon, Tom Peterson from Garmin Slipstream, to move ahead, raise his arms in salute, and win the stage. But at the end of the day, it was Levi Leipheimer who won the day as he ended up in the leader's yellow jersey of the 2009 Amgen Tour of California. 
The final stage standings for the day. Tom Peterson from Garmin Slipstream, 5 hours, 6 minutes, and 20 seconds, and he gets a 10-second time bonus for winning the stage. Second place in today's stage, as mentioned, Levi Leipheimer from Team Astana, 5 hours, 6 minutes, and 20 seconds. He gets a 6-second time bonus on the day. And with a 4-second time bonus in third place, Michael Rogers from Team Columbia High Road. Fourth place went to Chris Horner, and fifth to Oscar Sevilla from Rock Racing. And so with the time gained for shooting ahead of the peloton in that break at the end of the race and for the time bonus, Levi Leipheimer tomorrow will indeed be wearing that yellow jersey as the leader of the 2009 Amgen Tour of California, a total time of 9 hours, 23 minutes, and 2 seconds. 24 seconds back, it's Michael Rogers from Team Columbia High Road. And 28 seconds back, Dave Zabriskie from Team Garmin Slipstream. In fourth place, a name we've all heard many times before atop a leaderboard in professional cycling, it's Lance Armstrong, and he's 30 seconds back of our race leader. And in fifth place, it's Chris Horner, also from Team Astana, 38 seconds back. Sixth place, also from Team Astana, Janusz Brakovic, 38 seconds back. In seventh, Thomas Lukvist from Team Columbia High Road, he's 38 seconds back. In eighth, Jose Luis Rubiera Vigil from Team Astana, 38 seconds back. Also 38 seconds back, Vincenzo Nibali from Team Likigas. And 39 seconds back, rounding out our top 10, it's Robert Gesink from Team Rabobank. As for the other jerseys in the 2009 Amgen Tour of California, our previous race leader Francisco Mancevo from Spain and Rock Racing is still leading in the sprint classification as well as in the mountain classification for the King of the Mountains jersey, and our best young rider is still Robert Gessink. It was an incredible experience to watch Levi Leipheimer win today's stage. It was an absolutely heroic effort, exceptional timing, and great strategy and tactics on winning the day and getting back into the yellow leader's jersey of the Amgen Tour of California. Here's a little bit of what Levi had to say after today's stage. The most important thing is you've seen all the fans that have come out despite the weather. And, you know, they're, they're suffering through the weather just like we are. And it, I think as a, as a rider, you really think, well, we got to put on, they, they, this deserves our best show and deserves our best effort. And so I was, you know, especially yesterday in Santa Rosa to see all the people that were standing there just in soaking, freezing rain. You think, man, we got to give them a show. So today was... You know, I took off all my clothes despite the fact that it was pouring, freezing rain, and, and just had it in my head that... I'm sorry, i got to interrupt Levi here, because it is a family show. He didn't actually take off all his clothes. He just sort of means his outer rain gear. Uh, that's what he's talking about. Let's, let's get back to Levi. I was going to give it a go, and when, when we hit the bottom of Bonnie Dune, there was a couple attacks, and, and uh, I felt great, and I looked around, and I could see that the people were at their limit, and... I had uh, Popovich next to me, my teammate, and, and you know, at that moment, I, I felt really, really inspired, and I said, "Let light it up, Papa, let's go, and, and um, I felt great. Well, you know, like I said a second ago, I mean, uh, the crowds today, the crowds yesterday, my hometown of Santa, Santa Rosa, uh, to, to Tinnitus Creek and Bonnie Dune, is amazing. I mean, it's horrible conditions out there. We're, I mean, we're sitting here shivering, freezing cold rain, and 
you see these thousands of diehard fans out there uh, cheering us on. They're suffering in the weather just like we are. So it, it definitely motivates us. There's, there's no reason not to, to give our best when you see that. And uh, we really appreciate it. And this race is, is obviously doing really well because you can see by the amount of support out there. And I think our plan was just to sort of, you know, play it by ear. And it became apparent pretty quickly to me that uh, I felt very good and everybody else was on their limit. And like I said before, Popovich was next to me and, and he drilled it for like a kilometer, which, you know, set it up for me and, and I was able to accelerate and nobody came with me. So uh, we never really, you know, took over. It was, it was Popo set it up for me. And, and from then on, it was, uh, like I'd say, I'd call it a Hail Mary. You just got to go for it because once you're committed, you, you can't back down. And, of course, one of the questions Levi got asked, as it seems all the riders do, is, is what's it like having Lance out there in the field? What's it like having Lance as a teammate? And I think Levi handled the question really well. You know, Lance is a inspiration and a hero for millions of people across the world, but uh, also for the seven riders on this team. You know, he's, he's definitely our hero. He's, uh, he's just a unique character. I mean... He's driven. He's he wants to win, and he he raises the level among in amongst the team, and and we're all that much more committed. And to have somebody like him, like yesterday, pulling for me at the end, man, you know, there's no backing down. There's no excuses. So I got to come through. So really appreciate having him on the team. Levi was also asked to comment on his level of commitment and the team's level of commitment to the tour of California this year. Well. He, uh, you know, I, like I've said all along, that uh, Tour of California is a huge event. Uh, the the effort that AEG and Amgen and, and medalists have put into the event really deserves our best effort. And it's a home home race for us. And not only that, but, I mean, you know, I've read in the press where you all are saying it's possibly the fourth biggest race in the world. And, hell, I'll go with that. It's... It's amazing. I mean, look at the amount of people out there in these conditions. It's huge. So you've got to take it seriously. And then as if he hadn't already answered this question enough through his previous comments, he was asked, Levi, can you describe what the conditions were like for you out there on the road today? Levi's answer, priceless. Yeah, you turn, turn your shower on as cold as it, as it is <laughs> and stand there for like, you know, how, yeah, four hours. That's, that's what it's like. Now, today's stage winner, Tom Peterson, was asked to take us through the last 20 kilometers of the race and what it was like to be riding toward the finish line with Levi Leipheimer all the way to the end. Coming up the, the, the big uh, climb at the end, um, I was uh, chasing the, the guy from Quickstep, and I was with Jason McCody, and we caught those guys, and then right as we passed the quick step guy, uh, Levi just came up, and I saw him, and I just sat on his wheel. And basically, the whole way to the finish was pretty easy because I was just on his wheel. <laughs> also at the press conference today was Ben Jacquemain from the Bissell Pro Cycling Team. His brother 
was taken to the hospital after a crash in today's race. Sort of a bittersweet day today because Ben had quite a bit to do with the organization of today's stage, working with the local organizing committee, considering he lives nearby here in Northern California. This is what he had to say about the circumstances surrounding his brother's crash. Um, I actually don't know any of the circumstances of how he crashed. I heard there was um, a quick change of direction and a parked car involved. Um, so I know that he came down and uh, hit his head a little bit and then maybe had a problem with his ankle. Um, they said he's okay. They transported him to Santa Cruz here. He, he should be okay, which was a relief to hear. Um, they were in constant contact with the caravan, so uh, my team manager, Glenn Mitchell, could uh, get on the radio and let me know that things were, uh, things were okay, and that was a big relief for me. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's disconcerting when you hear that, uh, yeah, well, if any of your teammates crash um, and are in the ambulance, that's a, that's a serious crash, and uh, to have it be your brother's um, yeah, it's distracting. He's had enough hard crashes to, for a lifetime, and uh, so I'm glad he's okay. And then finally, to end on a lighter note than that, uh, both Ben and Tom were asked to describe what it looked like when Levi made that final push for the top of Bonnie Dune. What did it look like as Levi hit the gas and headed up the hill? He looked like he was going just fine to me. <laughs> I'm not usually around when he's going hard about halfway up a climb, so that was a unique experience for me. Normally, I'm uh, out the back a bit chasing, uh, or the tunnel vision set in, um, and I don't see a thing. So it, it was, it was like a motorcycle passing you. Yeah. <laughs> Small motorcycle. <laughs> Next up on the 2009 Amgen Tour of California, it's stage three as the riders head out of San Jose on their way to Modesto. Total distance is 104.2 miles, 167.7 kilometers. As they leave San Jose, they head up a famous climb in the Amgen Tour of California. That's Sierra Road. It's a Category 1 climb. They then head down through Alameda County on their way towards San Joaquin County, where they will be climbing one more Category 4 climb. And then from there, it's a descent and a long, flat section as they head toward Modesto. This stage looks like it could favor a long breakaway and then be one for the sprinters as they head into Modesto. We'll be back again tomorrow with more coverage from the 2009 Amgen Tour of California. Until then, thanks for listening. So long from Northern California. That's it for today's coverage of the 2009 Amgen Tour of California presented by the Fredcast Cycling Podcast and powered by the resources of Bicycle.net. If you'd like to comment on today's show, please send an email to thefredcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our videos brought to you by cyclefilm.com, located at www.thefredcast.com. This is your host, David Bernstein, from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. 
So long from the 2009 Amgen Tour of California, and thanks for listening.